Come on, let's go, church. How you feel, 1145? I think, uh, I think we've renamed this gathering from 1145 to 1140 Live. Come on, y'all alive, baby. Look at two or three people, tell them, say, I'm glad you're sitting right next to me because I needed a new best friend. Go ahead and tell them that. Let me look in the cameras in the back of the room and say good afternoon to everybody watching online, literally across the globe. We welcome you to our live stream. Also, good afternoon to our West Side Atlanta campus, our Montgomery County, Maryland campus, whoever you are, wherever you're watching from, whatever campus you're a part of, everybody in this third gathering of the day at our broadcast campus, we just want to say welcome home. All right, Go Church family, put your hands together, greet your brothers and sisters. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Come on, a little bit louder, just a little bit. Woo. So every Sunday, and, and you know this to be true if you've been a part of Go Church for any period of time, but before we get into the word, we always pause to honor the brave men and women that have served in the military and all of the first responders. Today, not only do I wanna give them honor, but I actually wanna give them double honor because tomorrow will mark a significant day in US history and really history around the world where 22 years ago, uh, one of the, the greatest terrorist attacks on U.S. soil happened, 9-11. And for those of you, and this is for many of you that were alive on 9-11 of 2001, you remember exactly where you were, who you were with, and what you were doing. Can I get an amen? You'll never forget that. And uh, 2,977 people, I believe, lost their lives in that tragic event on 9-11. And on that day, we really leaned into our military and our first responders like never before. But I wanna segue into honoring you all today that serve because every day tragedy strikes, every day. And every day we call on the brave men and women that put their life on the line to serve and protect our lives. And so I wanna give honor today, but double honor. So we've been doing it this way all day. I wanna do it again in the last gathering of the day. If you are in the military, active duty or veteran of the military, or if you are currently a first responder or in the past you worked as a first responder, I'm gonna invite you to stay uh, seated right where you are. You stay seated. And I'm gonna ask everybody else who is physically able to stand. And I think it's appropriate we give these men and women a standing ovation. Come on. No, 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 come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. Sir, right here, thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank you all the way back here. God bless you, thank you. All right, hold on before you, before you take a seat. If someone near you is remaining in their seat, I would love if you just give them like a thumbs up, a high five, an attaboy, girl. show them some love, tell them God bless you and thank you, and then go church, you can grab a seat. There we go. So good. Today, we're starting a brand new series and we're calling it Game Changer, Game Changer. That video intro got me hyped. Come on, run through a brick wall. Football season here in America. And I'm gonna tell you more about this series here in just a moment, but let me encourage you to, to take notes today. Uh, there's a message note card in the seat that is near you or in front of you, as well as a pen that you can use. But I want you to take some notes today, get your scripture ready. Uh, I feel like the Lord has given me a word to share on this first of three game changers that we'll talk about over the course of the next three weeks, but I'll tell you more about that here in just a moment. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I always love to give you 10 seconds 
Uh, before I pray, just to let you kind of focus in on the Holy Spirit being in this room and in this moment, blocking out distractions of the past week, trying to block out distractions of the upcoming week. In these 10 seconds, invite the Lord to speak to your heart and then I'll give us a prayer together. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. This has been my prayer all day, Lord. It's just a reminder to me that I cannot stand on this platform and carry the, the weighty responsibility of preaching the gospel of Jesus on my own power or ability. I desperately need you. <laughs> and not only do I desperately need you, but I desperately want more of you. I pray every day for more of your presence. If your presence goes, I don't wanna stay. And if your presence stays, I don't wanna go. So give us your Holy Spirit today. Lord, I'm asking you here, this is the, the third gathering of the day, this, this congregation of people, they know that. But I'm asking for prayer specifically for me, that you would give me the strength. Here's my heart in the 1145. They don't get the rest of me, they get the best of me. And we can only do that through your strength. But I also pray for every person in this gathering, at a campus or online, that you would anoint them to hear the word of the Lord, that you would open up their spiritual ears to hear, you would open up their spiritual eyes to see, and that this heart would penetrate right to their, this word would penetrate right to their heart rather, and that all of us could leave here understanding the importance of this game-changing message, and we leave with a greater desire to follow you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Look, you've clapped for a lot of reasons today. None greater than King Jesus, though. Let's go. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Joseph. How about this worship team all day? Worship team all day long. Go Kids volunteers, production team. What a great great church. Hey, so on uh, Father's Day weekend, we had a guest speaker, uh, Coach Kenny Dallas from Trinity Christian School. Uh, he's the head football coach of, uh, of the high school team there, state champion football coach of the team there. And he spoke on Father's Day. In the introduction of his Father's Day sermon, uh, he said, hey, I want to talk to you about some game changers in my life. I don't know if you remember that or not, but I wrote that down in, in, my, in my journal as I was taking notes. And then with our executive leadership team, we kind of debriefed, you know, Father's Day weekend, and, and someone on the team said, man, Game Changer would actually be a really powerful sermon series, the different moments in our lives where it really genuinely changes the game. And so I said, well, let's call an audible, pun intended, let's call an audible, and we'll do a series called Game Changer here in September. Now, all of you, regardless of your passion for sports or lack thereof, you're familiar with what game changer means. It can be applied in a lot of different areas, but specifically with sports, you know what it's like when a particular player takes the field and someone might say, man, that, that guy, that girl, they are a game changer. Or if in baseball, you know, uh, bases are loaded with one out and, you know, the guy hits into a double play and it, it's a game changer. It, it's a moment that, that all the momentum shifts. Does that make sense? A fumble, an interception, uh, Texas beats Alabama, what, whatever, you get, the, you, you get the point. So it's these game changers. 
But I do wanna give you a working definition because that can be applied to just about any area of our life, but none greater than our faith journey, our walk with the Lord. A game changer, if you're taking notes, I would define it like this. It's a factor that changes an existing situation in a significant way. So it's something that happens in your life and you recognize it like this, this is a monumental moment and I will never be the same after this because it's a game changer. Now, the older I get, the less I can say this statement and it be factual. For, for a number of years, I've always been able to say that my life has been divided in two. Half my life was bef- before I met Christ and then the second half has been you know, with Christ. But now I'm getting older, I got a birthday Friday. Come on, write that down. Some of y'all need to write that down, go ahead. I'll be 27 and, okay, I'm just kidding. I lied in church, forgive me, Lord. But now, now there, are, there are more years, you know, after I met Christ than before I met Christ. But it, my life can still be divided in the middle with the truth that before I met the Lord, man, I, I was on a path to nowhere, lost in all kinds of sin and depression and darkness. But the greatest game changer is the day that I met Jesus. I need like 50 Christians to say amen right there. Like the day that I met Jesus, the day that Jesus rescued me, that was the greatest game-changing moment of my life because everything good in my life today came out of that moment. Does that make sense? So over the next three weeks, I'm gonna talk to you about three additional game-changers. I I could give you 30, I could give you 50, I could give you 100 game-changers. The greatest game-changing moment is the day you meet Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, meet him today. Can I get an amen? And watch him change the game. It happens. All right, once again, for those that are in the faith, and you know what I'm talking about, can I get a good amen right there? But after I met the Lord, there have been some some moments where the Holy Spirit has revealed some things to me that now that I'm walking in this, they have revolutionized my life. I met Christ, experienced his grace and mercy, and then he began to teach me some things. And so for these three Sundays, I just wanna tell you about three game-changing moments in my personal life And these are genuine, they're not manipulative, I'm not setting you up for anything. I'm just sharing my heart for three Sundays on three specific factors that took my existing situation and and changed it in a significant way. So here's week number one. The first game-changing reality after I met Jesus is this understanding that, that I need to do life with others. Okay, two of you said amen, so, all right that, I, that I, I don't have to do life alone. That as a matter of fact, God didn't intend for me to do life alone. And th- this was a game changer for me because I'm, I'm wired with a lot of independence oftentimes and where my, where my independence drops, my pride picks up. And so even when I need help, I refuse to tell people that I need help. But man, God really began to do a work in me when I realized that I actually, if I wanna get to where God is calling me to be, I need to do life with others. That I don't have to carry the weight of whatever season I'm in or the pain or the hurt or the baggage by myself. That because I am in the faith, because I am a part of the body of Christ, the family of God, that we get to do life together, that we can strengthen each other. Let me say it to you like this, we need each other. We need each other. Romans 12 says it this way, since we are all one body in Christ. So for those that have asked Jesus to be their Lord, that game-changing moment, you've now been adopted into the family of God. 
So look on your row real quick. Just look down your row. This is your family. Some of y'all didn't know you had white brothers and sisters. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all didn't know you had a little Latino in your family. There they are, okay? Dios te bendiga. We're here. We're fam. And we get the dysfunction of this family too. Look at somebody and say, you are dysfunctional. He's preaching right to you. So now we are adopted into the family of God and watch, and we belong to each other. We're brothers and we're sisters. We're family. And watch, and we all need each other. Uh, we are better together. We are stronger together. We are wiser together. And if, you, if, you've, if you've been a part of Go Church in any arena almost, from move track curriculum to listening to the podcast to being in a gathering, you've heard specific language that we use, uh, certain words, because words create worlds. And, and we always emphasize that real life change, like true life change, happens in the context of relationships. Now, can real life change happen in a moment? Yes, absolutely. But what I've learned as I look back over my life is that real life change didn't really happen in a moment as much as it happened in a memory. That God, throughout the course of my life, put people in my life to help mature me and grow me and pray for me and care for me and encourage me and challenge me. And now, while I'm still not where I need to be, because how many of you are work in progress like your pastor is, but I can look back and see how God's put people strategically in my life for a reason and a season. Can you help me preach at 1231 to help mature me and grow me and form me and shape me? And now my life has really been changed because of God-given relationships. He gave me his grace he gave me his mercy, God gave us his son, but he also gave us friends and family that we get to do life with. And listen to me, this is a game changer when you realize that you don't have to go through life alone. The other night, uh, the girls, Kimberly and, and our little daughter London, they were upstairs and Lakeland, who's our 13 year old son and I, we were on the couch. Lake was on his phone, I was reading my Bible. I tend to be the most spiritual of all of the worldlies in our home. And, and so I, I, was, I was reading through my Bible and notes, just kind of prepping for today. And this was about midweek. And I looked over at Lake and, and I thought, man, I got a 13-year-old son. And I know we got a lot of teenagers in the room. I've never parented a teenager before. This is like a whole new world for me. And uh, so I thought, you know what, let me ask him a question. And maybe we can have a little conversation, like more than, I don't know, one word. Can I get some parents to testify? You know what I'm talking about? So I was like, Lake. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, what you doing? He's like, I'm on my phone. And I was like, hey, let me ask you a question. And then he was like, what did I do? And I was like, you didn't do anything. I'm your dad. I'm just trying to talk to you, buddy, you know? And so I said, hey, let me ask you a question. I said, when you read the Bible, and you should have seen his eyes when I made it spiritual. He's like, oh, man, here we go, preacher dad, you know? I was like, when you read the Bible, what's the first problem that you read in the Bible? Now, I knew where I wanted to go, but I wanted to see his response. And look, his response is what many of our responses would be. He said, well, I mean, the first problem in the Bible was sin, sin. And I said, what's a good thought? But actually the first problem in the Bible wasn't sin, it was solitude. If you go to Genesis chapter one, verse 27, the end of chapter one in Genesis, you see that God created man and he made man in his image. And when he made man, he made Adam, what did he say? He said about everything that he made, he said, this is good. 
Like, this is good. As a matter of fact, this is very good, right? And then in Genesis chapter two, verse 18, so before sin ever even enters into the human heart, right? He identifies a problem. He says, it's, it's good for man to be, but it is not good for man to be alone. And so then he calls a deep sleep on a man. That's why ladies, don't you ever underestimate the spiritualness of a nap. Can I, come on, fellas, help me out. When a man is sleeping, it's designed by God. <laughs> fellas, I'm on an island, fellas, you gotta help me. A guy in the back, he's like, you're gonna die on that island because I ain't getting on that island. He caused man to be in a deep sleep and then from the rib cage of a man, he made woe man, all right? And, and watch, so he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he gave man a helper. He gave man a wife and, and thank God for you, Kimberly. Thank God for you because I'd be a hot mess without you. So if God said to Adam, the first human being, it's not good for you to be alone, what makes you and I think that it's good for us to be alone? Now, you can choose to live life alone, but that's your choice. That's not God's design. Does that make sense? So I, I don't wanna get overly theological, but God said it's not good for man to be alone. So he gave us family and relationships and friendships. It's not good to be alone. My mom has been alone though. Since February, my mom has been grieving the, the death of her husband, Graham, who's my stepdad. My, my dad died when I was 13. My mom waited 12 years. She remarried Graham, and then Graham passed away from cancer. When Graham died, my mom asked me, she was like, what does a woman have to do to lose two husbands? It was hard. But not only is, is she grieving and feeling alone, but then during Graham's sickness and chemotherapy, mom's health started to decline until eventually, she, and I'm not exaggerating, she became crippled. So she had to have a full hip replacement. And so after Graham died, mom went through a hip replacement. That procedure and surgery was a whole lot more painful and the recovery time a whole lot longer than anybody ever anticipated. And mom was alone. Now she's got family. I mean, I got three siblings that live there in Florida near her. And then of course, Kimberly and I, we're, we're up here in Georgia. And, and you all know this. I mean, of all my siblings, I am the favorite. Come on, I mean, how many of you are the favorite? Come on, you're the favorite. Yeah, you know that. But that's still not the same as having a spouse. I mean, there's something about living with someone and doing life with someone and loving someone and eating dinner with someone and going to bed with someone and waking up with someone and now they're not there. So she's been alone and then her health declined. But my mom is a fighter. She's a fighter. And mom has got enough grit about her that she wasn't gonna let it keep her down. So she started physical therapy, you know, after surgery and, um, and, and look, and now she's walking, y'all. Come on, she's walking. Yep, she's, she's, got, she's got a cane and she's got a little limp. She'd be walking like this. That's how she walk now, but she's walking and she's driving, Come, which is really dangerous. <laughs> you're lucky she's in Florida and you're in Georgia, but she's driving. Well, about a month ago, mom and I would talk all the time, but about a month ago when, when we got on the phone together, there, there was a different song in her voice. There was a different joy in her heart. And I said, Mama, you sound different. She said, I am different. I said, you sound better. She said, I am better. And I said, what happened? She said, I'm going back to church. Well, when COVID hit, of course, my mom being now 
you know, in her late 70s, mid to late 70s, don't want to give away her age. COVID hit, they had to be quarantined at home. And then at the tail end of COVID, Graham gets cancer. And then they went through that whole process and then he passes away. And then she has a total hip replacement. She hasn't been able to go to church. She said, I walked into church on this Sunday, a few Sundays ago. She said, I sat all the way in the back. She said, but the second Sunday, I sat all the way in the front. Come on front row people. That's what I'm talking about right here, right up here. She said, and when I was sitting up there, a lady in the church invited me to a women's small group, a women's Bible study. She said, so I drove to the women's Bible study on this Tuesday. She said, and after the Bible study, all these ladies decided to go to lunch and they invited me to go to lunch. And she started crying over the phone. She said, she calls me Jake. I've told you that before. It's a term of endearment. All my family calls me Jake. She said, Jake, I've got new sisters. And I'm telling you that there is something about doing life alone and then doing life with other people because it's not good for man to be alone. As a matter of fact, if you look at, at the night before Jesus was going to be arrested and then crucified, he, he shared a meal with his disciples. It's called the Last Supper, or we call it communion, and, and you're familiar with that. But during this Last Supper, Jesus does some really sig spiritually significant things, really spiritually significant. He's about to, to take the bread and the wine, which represents the body and the blood of Jesus that would be you know, crucified on the cross. But before they take communion, Jesus starts talking about relationships. And as he's talking about relationships, then he's, he does something really strange. And I'm not, Lord, no heart, almost weird. He says to the disciples, now let me wash your feet. Could you imagine if today I'm like, hey, real quick, before you leave, just take your shoes off. I'm gonna wash your feet. Some of you are like, you ain't gonna touch my toes in Jesus' name. You ain't gonna touch them. Well, you, you gotta imagine that as uncomfortable as that would be for us in 2023, you go back thousands of years ago when the disciples were literally walking the earth, their primary mode of transportation were their feet. So their feet were dirty and, and caked with mud and, and all of that. And Jesus bows low because Jesus has never been about a title. He's always been about a towel. And he bows low to serve and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Well, then Simon Peter speaks up and he says, you're not, you're not gonna wash my feet. I'm not gonna allow you to wash my feet. Now, literally, this is about foot washing. But figuratively, just go here with me. I think that so many of us, our response to inviting people into our lives, to doing life with others, our response is the same. No. Because it's our human nature to put people at arm's length, to build up walls, to keep people out for two reasons. Because before we let people in and we got hurt, can I get an amen? Or I don't want to expose myself from an area that I've been having hidden and covered my entire life, like my feet. Are you with me? So I'm not gonna expose myself and show you a part of me that I don't want anybody else to see. But if you really wanna experience a game changer in your faith journey, it's saying, you know what? I'll tear down the walls of pride. I'll open up my heart again, and I will let anybody wash my feet because I'm willing to trust that God will give me God-centered, spirit-filled brothers and sisters who love me enough to help me get from where I am to where God is calling me to be. Come on, can you say amen? Now, watch what Jesus says. Peter says, no, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. 
And I think that, again, for many of us, this idea of doing life with others and letting people in, it's like, that never. But if you'll just say, you know what? I don't have it all together. I'm actually broken. I'm actually hurting. I'm actually grieving. I'm actually discouraged. I'm actually overwhelmed. I actually feel like giving up. I actually think that I'm done. What God could do and that vulnerability and transparency, look at me real quick, if you just let somebody wash your feet. In my personal life, there are a few reasons why I need people in my life. I'm gonna give you three of them. Here's the first one. I need people in my life because I need people to care for me. And I need people to pray for me. Is it all right as your pastor to tell you there are days that I can't pray for myself and I need people to pray for me? Have you ever been there? You know, we live in a very independent society, a very self-care society where, where people don't want to admit that they actually need prayer and they need care. But look at this, if you're writing this down, uh, caring for people and praying for people, that's actually like a really massive part of Christianity. It's the reason, one of the reasons that God gave us the church so that we could bear each other's burdens, so that we could pray for you when you can't pray for yourself. Does that make sense? Am I talking to anybody? And listen, I think it's just important for you to, to be reminded that there are seasons where you need extra care and you need extra prayer. And when you don't have the faith or the spiritual strength to do that, who do you have in your life that is providing that for you, providing that care for you and providing those prayers for you? Here's what the Bible says, look at this. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Let me say it to you like this. All of us go through storms, and stuff, there's another word for stuff, but we go through it, okay? But we also go through seasons of celebration. Have you ever had a victory or a win and nobody's been there to celebrate it? And then what does the enemy do with the victory? He makes you feel like it's not even worthy of celebration because you're still alone in it. It's like I tell, I tell you all the time, I love to play golf and the more golf I play, the worse I get. Come on, can I get an amen? I got my friends, Pastor Clive and Velda here from Stellenbosch, South Africa. Come on, would you bless them real quick? <laughs> Pastor Clive, stand up real quick. He and I, we played, a, all right, that'll get to his head. He and I played golf on Thursday. Now, he, he's like a legitimate golfer. He's a real golfer. I am not. Um, have you ever had a hole in one? Yeah, of course you did. Sit down, man, sit down. Could you, could you imagine playing golf and getting a hole in one, but nobody's there? How do you, what? Because you couldn't record it because you're swinging the club. Can you imagine getting a hole and no one's there? And then what do you tell you? Yeah, I, I got a hole in one. They're like, yeah, who is with you? Well, <laughs> this is awkward, <laughs> but it was just me. Yeah, sure you got a hole in one. <laughs> no, but it's different that when you're with somebody in a moment of celebration and they can rejoice in your joy. But then also we what? Mourn with those who mourn. First Corinthians says it like this, that if one part suffers, again, we are the body of Christ, we are the family of God. So if one part suffers, then every part suffers. You ever hit your finger with a hammer? It doesn't just hurt the finger, does it? No, it hurts every part of your body. And some of you, when you do that, you speak in tongues, you say it's tongue, but it's cussing, I know. Every part hurts. And look, and it, it's overwhelming to me to think that people call go church home and yet you are suffering alone. 
You don't have to suffer alone. We'll mourn with you. You should never have to sit in the emergency room alone. You should never have to wait on test results alone. You should never have to spend the first night after your spouse dies alone. You should never have to walk through a divorce alone. And yet so many people suffer alone. I gotta be really careful and mindful of the sensitivity of this, but at this campus, there is a beautiful young couple whose baby was due today and on Thursday, there was no heartbeat. So Tuesday, we have to bury an unborn baby. That family should not suffer alone. Come on, give me a better amen than that. But here, here's the, uh, the challenge. Is this church is growing, pastor? I can't pray for everybody. I can't care for everybody. And it is a real tension for me because you may think my pastor's Superman. Listen, I'm really Clark Kent. So I can't pray for everybody and I can't care for everybody, but listen, but every one of you need prayer and every one of you need care. So, so what do we do? And, and this may challenge some of your upbringing in church where you're so familiar with being able to access your pastor for whatever, whenever. But really, our heart here for Go Church when it comes to pastoral care is built on groups. That this is how we make a, a big church small, that when you get into a group and, and you're doing life together with people, that, that it's here that you, don't, that you don't slip through the cracks. You should never, your pain should never slip through the crack. So when you get in a group, now, now you, have, you have the body of Christ right there with you so that when you're, when you're broken, they can be broken with you. When you need care, they can be caring for you. Look at me, when you need a hug, when you need hope, when you need joy, it's what that group is for. So, so when you get in a group, you, you tell your group leader who you are and your story, your testimony, and what you're going through. You, you let people wash your feet and you give them your cell phone number and, and say, hey, let's text one another and call one another and, and do life together and break bread. Can I tell you that eating food is very spiritual? And it's in those groups that now our, our needs are being met and we're being cared for and we're being prayed for. If you go to Ephesians chapter six, it's here that Paul tells the church at Ephesus a lot about spiritual warfare. And what's ironic is in Ephesians five, he talks a lot about the family unit. And then he's like, hey, now we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Okay, read that. But in verse number 18, the message translation, let's read this together on three. One, two, three, he says, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long and pray for who? This is who we are. It should be the DNA, the heart of this house to do life with people so that we can care for you and pray for you and so that you can care for us and pray with us. Can I get an amen from somebody that would agree with that? Hey, if we're gonna clap, let's do it well, come on. All right, two more. Second reason we need people is because we need people to encourage us. 
This, this word encourage literally means to lift the spirit. To lift the spirit. Have you ever experienced that from somebody? We're having a bad day, a tough day, an overwhelming day or a season. And I mean, somebody just got the gift of encouragement. Lord, put me around people that are encouragers and not discouragers. As a matter of fact, this won't be on the TV, but I want you to write it down. You, you have at least two types of people in your life. You have leaners, L-E-A-N-E-R-S, leaners, and then you have lifters, leaners. Remember the old song, lean on me when you're not strong? Why are you acting so spiritual? You're like, I only listen to praise and worship, lie. You just call on me, brother, when you need a hand. Come on, we all need somebody to I just might that, hey, we all need somebody to lead. Give yourselves a big hand, let's go. What? Why aren't y'all in the worship choir? Some of y'all sang in the shower and you need, you need to stay singing in the shower. <laughs> we, need, we got people that lean on us because they don't have enough faith for themselves. They don't have enough strength for themselves. They don't have enough joy for themselves. So they, so they lean on us because they need us and, and we are their pillar at times to help them. But the problem is, is that too many of you only have leaners and you don't have any lifters. So now, so now you're bearing everybody's burdens, but you don't make me preach at 1251. But you don't have anybody to lift you up from your pit of discouragement and depression and despair. So you're really good at taking on everybody else's problems and pains, but you've got nobody in your life to lift you up. Does that make sense? So yes, a part of it is be someone that others can lean on, but then find some lifters in your life so that when you can't get up, they help you get up. Can you help me preach? Come on. They lift you up. Hey, I, I need some people in my life that they have walked through their own valleys of the shadow of death so that when I'm walking through my valley of the shadow of death, they can encourage me and lift me up and say, you will make it through this. You will not die. You will not quit. It will not be overwhelming. You will not throw in the towel. They lift me up. They lift me up. Look at somebody and say, lift me up. Woo. And I know the song isn't spiritual, but there is theology. For it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. Ecclesiastes says it this way, it's better to have a partner than to go at it alone. Come on, all the single people said amen right there. Thank you. Spirit of Anita, Anita man. <laughs> That just came, that just came to me, right? <laughs> share the work, share the work. Y'all behave. <laughs> Football starts in seven minutes. Share the work, share the wealth. And watch, and if one falls down, here we go, lifter. Do you see that? Then the other helps them up, lifts them up. But if there is no one to help, tough. Here's what people say, well, I don't, I don't need people. I'll, I'll just go to the Lord. Sure. 
Now, I know we live in a very like soundbite society, so I have to be mindful that this is recorded and people take snippets to fabricate things out of context. So what I'm about to say is not suggesting that people are gods or Jesus. There's only one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and there's only one Jesus, and it ain't you. But have you ever been around somebody that they were like Jesus with skin on? Their empathy, their compassion, their prayer life, their joy. So yeah, you can go to God, but what if God is also not just giving you his grace, but he's giving you a family? Hebrews says it like this, that, that it is this family that gets to encourage one another. How often? Daily, as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. All right, here's what we've talked about. We need people to pray for us and care for us, and we need people to encourage us. And this third one, this won't go viral on social media, but it is what we need. We need people to challenge us, to confront us, to have courageous conversations, because all of us, Pastor JC included, we're only one small step away from stupid. Look at somebody and say, that's good. And we need people that will challenge us and confront us and have the courage to say, you know better. You weren't raised like that. You know the word. You know what's right. You know what's wise. I'm calling you higher because I see in you maybe what you don't see in yourself, but I'm not giving up on you, but I'm gonna confront you and I'm gonna challenge you because that is accountability. That is discipleship. Iron sharpens iron. But watch this and don't, let me just, let me bring the message and then you process it. Do you have people in your life that will challenge you and confront you or do you always cut those people out every time they tell you a hard truth? Well, they're just mean. Maybe they could have been a little bit more polished, but truth is truth, and the truth sets you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Well, I had to cut them out because they're just mean to me. Let, me. let me tell you this. Let me say it to you like this. If in your life you have a reoccurring theme of messages over and over and over again from people that love you and believe in you, don't reject that message. Look inward and say, maybe it's my pride that's keeping me from really receiving what they're trying to say. I don't know what that means, but I did it. I think it means like, Pastor Bishop Dean. All right, here we go. John 16, these are the words of Jesus. Here's what he says. I have told you this so that you will not go astray. So I'm not Jesus, but I'm preaching this message so you don't go astray. The Greek word for astray is scandalizo. Scandalizo, it's where we get our English word. You're the smartest of all the gatherings. The other two are like, ah, I don't know. Scandal, it's where we get our English words. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you my command so you don't end up in a scandal. So you don't end up in a trap. And isn't, isn't that the plan of the enemy? And it is the goal of the enemy to trap you, to get you caught up in a scandal. It's why all throughout the New Testament, Christians are referred to as sheep. It's because we make so many bad decisions. <laughs> I am so sorry. Oh, but it's, it's funny. And so the psalmist teaches us about 
about thy rod and thy staff, a rod of comfort and correction to get us back into, who, who do you have that's calling you back into alignment? You know, we, we go to the chiropractor, we, we believe in chiropractors, like, and my back is what it is, so this is what you know. If your spine is a little out of alignment, your whole body is out of whack. And so if, if you're just, look at me, if you're just a little off course, you're way off course. So who's calling you back in so that you don't go astray? This is why you need people that will challenge you. Ecclesiastes says it this way, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two standing back to back can conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I know how some of you look at me on Sundays. You're like, I could take Pastor JC in a street fight. I see how you look at me. And it's been a minute since I've been in the gym. You're right. I feel that. I look in the camera. I need to lose a pound or two. That's fine. This is my story. It ain't your story. But what you don't know is I'm never alone. So yeah, you could probably take me when it's just me. But I got my boys with me. And my boys and I, we roll deep. And don't you ever forget, JC really stands for Jackie Chan. You better watch out. But it's not just two boys and it's not just three boys. Because I know that when I am alone, it, let's go back to the imagery of the sheep. The, the, the enemy loves when one sheep gets out of the flock, out of the herd, because they can be attacked. But when they're together, they're stronger, they're better, they're safer. Does that make sense? I'm not preaching to anybody today. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. One story will be done. Uh, Pastor David Waldrop, he spoke last Sunday right here at Go Church. Pastor David is a son of this house, grew up in this church, started as a child in kids' ministry, then as he grew up, he started volunteering in kids' ministry, got into middle school and high school, allowed Kimberly and I the opportunity to be his youth pastor. David was a really good student in our youth ministry. I'll never forget, I was doing an event on a Saturday called Purpose Driven Youth, and I told all the kids, hey, if you come on Saturday, I'll feed you Subway. I should have served Taco Bell, by the way. I learned the hard way. Set up all these tables and journals, had all these sub sandwiches, one kid showed up, David Waldrop. David never missed. David was the first one in the altar during worship and the last one to leave in the altar call. David came through high school and eventually became an intern, then went to Lee University. Pastor David moved with us to Maryland to start Go Church in Maryland. Then when God called us back home, we left David there and said, you can't come with us. You're on your own now. Spread your wings and fly, son. He became our campus pastor, led our Montgomery County, Maryland campus all through COVID. And then the Lord told me, bring your son home. Pastor David came back a couple years ago. Now he's on our executive leadership team preaching on this stage. It's tremendous. But when David was in high school, he sat me down one Wednesday night and he said, I believe God's got a calling on my life and I want you to hold me accountable, Pastor JC. I said, are you asking me to be your accountability partner? And he said, yes, sir, I am. Those of you that know David as a, as a kid, not pastor David as an executive pastor, but as a kid, he looked a lot like alfalfa. Come on, how many of you remember that little, little thing right there? He'd sit down every week. We met for one hour, sometimes before school, sometimes after school. And I would ask him hard questions, hard questions. About a series of seven, eight, nine questions I would ask him. And then at the end of all of those accountability questions, 
I would look David in the eye and I would say, now did you lie to me about any of the previous questions? Oh, little Pastor David would start crying. Pastor JC, I lied about number five. And then I would beat him. <laughs> Repeatedly, like any good parent. Can I get an amen? Because the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. That's a joke. Who's asking you hard questions? When you go on vacation, what, what do you ask people to do? Will you watch my house? Will you watch my stuff? Will you watch my dog? Some of you are like, what about the cat? Nobody's gonna watch your cat. Nobody cares. No one cares. You're the only one that cares. Which, by the way, you don't watch a cat. A cat watches you. Will you watch my kids so we can go on vacation? Who are you asking? Will you watch my soul? Will you watch my text messages? Will you watch my social media messages? Will you watch how I handle my money? Will you watch how I speak to my wife? How I parent my children? Will you watch my soul? Because I don't want to get caught up in a scandal. I don't ever want to go astray. So I need people that will challenge me. I've got guys in my life who they ask me the hard questions. And then at the end, they say, now, which one did you just lie to me about? These aren't the exact questions that I asked Pastor David as a kid, but trying to contextualize them for you in whatever season you're in. But have you been in a compromising situation this week? Have your financial dealings lacked integrity? Did you cheat on your taxes to save a couple hundred bucks? Have you looked at porn? Have you spent quality time in the word and in prayer? Are you prioritizing your family? What are you doing to fulfill God's calling on your life? And did you just lie to me? Who is watching your soul? You need people to pray for you and care for you and encourage you, but you also need people to challenge you. Now, real quickly, and we'll get you out of here for football. Watch. I always try to give you a next step. So at Go Church, we create these groups. They're small in nature for intimacy and relationship and community. Now at Go Church, there's three things I just want you to know about our groups before you leave. First, our groups are free market, meaning we probably already have a group that you're interested in because they're interest-based. So some are social, some are study, but they're all spiritual, all right? What I'm trying to do for you now is just get you to do life with people, all right? So they're free market. So you can go online, mygochurch.com, you can look at the app, on your way out today, we got a groups table. You can see all of the groups being offered at whatever campus you're a part of, all right? There's even some virtual groups for our online campus and community. So they're free market. The other thing, and this is just a personal preference, they're also semester-based. I'm not asking you to sign up for your whole life. Although some of the friendships you make, well, they'll be lifelong. But can you commit to 11 weeks, 12 weeks? They start this week, they end right before Thanksgiving. So. I find it easier to commit to a season, a window of time, than a, a never-ending season. Does that make sense? And then the other thing I want you to know, because this is important, because this is a takeaway, anyone can join a group. They don't have to go to Go Church. They don't have to be a member here. You've got coworkers, neighbors, and relatives. You've got people who don't even believe in God, but they need somebody to care for them. 
They need somebody to pray for them. They need somebody to encourage them and challenge them. Wouldn't it be great if I could stand up here in a couple weeks and say, we have more people in groups at Go Church than people that attend Go Church on a Sunday. Anybody can join a group. Does that make sense? So as you leave today, make sure you take time, go to the app, the website, or stop by the table because I'm challenging you. This is my opportunity to challenge you. Don't do life alone. Tear down the walls, tear down the pride, and look at me. Let somebody just wash your feet. Let somebody wash your feet. Closing questions. What the Holy Spirit speak to your heart? It's amazing what the Holy Spirit can do with a message as you lean in. And what are your next steps? Every head bowed, every eye closed. The greatest next step is saying yes to Jesus. So before you leave here today, let's close with that. Maybe you're in a room, west side of Atlanta, Montgomery County, online or in this room right here, and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Or maybe for some of you, you've just gone astray. But now you get to experience God's grace and the greatest game changer, God's love for you, his unconditional love for you. If you're ready to invite Jesus as Lord, I'll count to three. Your hands go up. You can put them right back down. You ready? One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Westside, Montgomery County, all the way in the back. Thank you, sir. All the way, my right, your left. Thank you, ma'am. Lord, you've seen every hand raised. This prayer that I'll pray doesn't make you saved. It just gives you language as you develop your own prayer time with the Lord. But Father, today I admit that I am a sinner and I've made a lot of mistakes. I've been running my own race, doing my own thing, my own agenda, my own will, my own plan. But I need your game-changing grace on my life. So I believe, God, that you sent Jesus to die on that cross to take my place for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I want eternal life, and I believe that Jesus gives it to me when I confess my sin, so I do that now. I don't have it all together. I confess my sin, and I commit my life to you today, Jesus, right here, right now. And I thank you for loving me. Now challenge us, Lord, all of us, to not do life alone, and to be vulnerable to let people in and wash our feet. In the name of the Father who loves you, the Son who gave his life for you, and the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of you. And I want this 1145 gathering to go crazy for Jesus and all of those who said yes to him. Come on, let's go.